and this morning I'm going to speak about metta and then in the afternoon I speak about the Bhutanusati, which is uh, recollections of the qualities of the Buddha. And uh, I'm sure, you know, most of you have heard about the four Brahma-viharas, which are the four boundless qualities, metta, loving-kindness, karuna, compassion, mudita, gladness, or sometimes also translated as sympathetic joy, and upeka, equanimity. And of those four, metta is actually the foundational quality, the root quality, the basis of all the other Brahma-viharas. And it is because it opens the heart and it is, you know, in the Metta Sutta, it is depicted as the love which a mother has for her only child in the sense that she wants to protect the child so that the child might be happy. So that kind of a love, wanting to make sure, you know, that that being has good things in, in its life and knowing also, you know, that good things will come if, if the mind is cultivated in the right direction. And also what's very important about metta is, you know, to understand that it's a product of an alchemical process so it's a new quality which springs forth from going through the fire and opening to our own internal experiences of especially of tanha, of craving and thirst, the root of all suffering. You know, the opening to suffering brings metta, brings about metta. And in the beginning of the practice, I totally did not understand that. I just thought this is a really rubbish, you know, this metta practice. This is just like putting a sugar coating on everything and then just, you know, talking myself into being kind or something. And I had a great aversion against it and I didn't want to do it and I thought it's a waste of time and it's not, it's only for those who can't do inside. And now I understand, you know, that metta is actually the result of insight. And it's sometimes the only way, you know, how we can meet our experience because, you know, sometimes it's so overwhelming that we really can't investigate it. And the only thing we can do is to embrace it. So, the, you know, this warm embrace rather than a kind of cool trying to investigate with a knife of wisdom it's sometimes the only thing we can do is to just hold it like you hold you know like a crying child you're not gonna say to the child stop crying you you have to you just hold it and and allow it to just you know go through the process of coming out at the other end and that's what true matter is all about you know coming out at the other end of understanding one's own inner process and then automatically we have an understanding also of other people's process. So it's, it's you know, it's a result of fruit of personal insight into Dukkha, not just an intellectual knowledge, not, not just like, you know, making those sentences, may all beings be happy and all of that, and then just uh, putting that on top of, your suffering. That's not 
what it is. But the, the practice can show us, you know, can give us a taste. For example, if we use an, an image, you know, to bring up metta in the heart, when the mind is calm, then it can show us, give us a taste of what metta feels like. And then once we have tasted it, we know, you know, which direction we need to look. And so metta, you could say, you know, in a to put it in a in a mathematical formula, we could say metta is the result of craving raised to the power of mindfulness, raised to the power of awareness. Satipanya in Pali. So raising it up, you know, raising the craving up by fully and consciously experiencing it and setting it free from the ego. And then the energy transforms through the intensity of the experience. Because the mind adjusts, you know, once it clearly sees that the suffering is the result of holding on, the letting go is the is the fruit of it. And, you know, that formula, I have that actually, it's from the Christian tradition, uh, where it's spoken about agape, which is the Christian equivalent for metta. And they say, you know, eros, which is passionate love, eros raised to the power of gnosis, which is insight, is agape. And... Uh, that, you know, metta or agape that can't come from fear, but only from true acceptance and patience, the very opposite of suppression, the very opposite of turning away. It's the full embracing of it. And in a Christian tradition, they're speaking about, you know, in, in context of agape and eros transformed, they speak about perfect meekness, you know, which is a bit of an uncool word these days, I'm sure. But what's meant is humility and patience. To have a lot of humility and patience. And uh, in the Christian gospel, uh, is you know, in that context, speak, spoken about the tr uh, transformative relationship of Mary Magdalene with Jesus. You know, she was going through that. And then she came out at the other end, you know, as a very powerful teacher. Even, you know, the scriptures haven't really been very helpful in that regard because that wasn't really allowed to become mainstream knowledge. But nevertheless, we know that through her relationship with him, you know, she she went through all of this. And this is... Uh, you know, in the in the Buddhist tradition, there's the Metta Sutta, and how that is defined is one who practices Metta, you know, knows the path of peace. Knows, you know, that in order to arrive at peace, we have to transform tanha, we have to transform craving, and in this particular, you know, in the practice of the Buddhist path, is particularly important after stream entry, from stream entry up to non-returner, the meta practice is particularly skillful practice then, you know, because then we are really focusing on on craving in terms of aversion and and desire. 
and and then the meta practice can come in as a support you know to give us the capacity to open to our own inner processes much better and then that translates of course in how we relate to others as well so your meta can really help us to settle the mind calm the mind stabilize the mind and then use that stable calm mind for insight so metta, you know, combined, or the Brahma Vihara practices in general combined with the seven factors of awakening. That's really a very powerful path. So, you know, where this, this uh, wanting, yearning energy is slowly transformed and becomes increasingly wider until there's no more separation. No more separation would be an onibana, be the goal of the practice. And uh, Thich Nhat Hanh says, you know, we are here to awaken from the illusion of our separateness. That's one way, you know, how we can express the, the, the crux of the practice. We are here to awaken from the illusion of our separateness. And, you know, in order to wake up from that, we have to go through the transformation of all uh, emotional and cognitive filters, which are the result of our conditioning, to release those, you know. And it can only really fully happen by consciously experiencing. And when we have a real insight, you know, especially like a transformative deep insight, what we are seeing in such an insight is, you know, how we have always been... Um, believing into those filters. And then suddenly, you know, we wake up to it and we see, oh, my dear, what did I think here? You know, what did I believe? And then when we can really see that, it drops away. And then there's a bit of a bigger world. And then, you know, those walls or filters, they just drop away as we walk the path. And, uh, you know, the willingness to be with this process, you know, cultivates metta. Because the willingness to stay open, we can only do that if we can bring some metta to our own suffering. And definitely not, you know, from becoming more kind of controlling about our mind and about our life, but more open. So separation is not working. You know, we have to allow ourselves to truly be with our inner experience fully. And uh, conserve the truth, you know, conserve the truth in the experience but transform it, not become a dried-up follower of rules who is afraid of life. That doesn't go anywhere. But to, you know, to have a stable rooting in the present moment and to have a warm heart which has the tolerance and the acceptance to be with the experience as it is. 
and then going through this experience into non-separation, to go right through it. And, uh, you know, that would be to realize uh, emptiness, realize the uh, process nature of everything and, you know, the ego just dropping away. Through allowing, you know, to be really like in a washing machine, you know, to be in the turmoil, to be in the chaos and not press the button, not say stop, you know, in the sense of I want it my way. But doing what we can, you know, to support ourselves so that we can experience the turmoil, which is the result of craving, of, of attachment. And then through seeing that, you know, letting go occurs naturally. And the turmoil starts to slow down, you know, ever more. Because we're no longer going against the flow of life. And that's the only way how the turmoil is going to stop. So name the suffering and work with it, open up to it and move through it and out of it. That's the only way, you know. And that the practice with, you know, with the refugees and the precepts are a foundation for us, you know, to stand on so that we can actually have the courage and the grounding to allow a process like that to happen. Because in the beginning of the practice, it feels almost counterintuitive, you know. So... And the word apathy, you know, which is the the state of not being able to suffer, shutting down, blocking, imploding, you know, getting stuck. And apathy is uh, the refusal to suffer because the word patean is a Greek word and means to suffer. And if we put an A in the front, just like in the Pali, it's the negation of that. So apathy is the refusal to suffer. And the price is a shutting down. Because the energy gets, you know, kind of stunted. Because we are interrupting the flow out of fear, you know. Out of fear of having a strong emotional experience, for example. So... It's important to have this, you know, to skillfully suffer and observe how that happens and then through insight moving out of it. That's why the first noble truth is very simple, just there is suffering. You know, it has to be understood. And my first teacher, or my second teacher actually, Arshan Sumedha, was always saying, you know, that means to stand under to stand close by the suffering and, you know, look at it. And metta can really help us, you know, metta for our own experience or if we are standing by the suffering of others, you know, that can really help us to, to have that capacity to do it, to be with it, to understand it.
because you know all uh, all living systems you know anything like flowers and animals and human beings we all have that uh, drive to evolve and in our case you know we are conscious of that the you know that the fulfillment of that drive for us is to wake up from the dream of separation to really wake up from it and and put all of that down and you know the prama vihara practices really help us to work together with the insight practices the insight practices are more a cool cutting through like manjushri you know bodhisattva of uh, buddha wisdom of wisdom in the vajrayana is depicted with a flaming sword in his hand he's just cutting or in the theravada pisari buddha you know who was famous for his wisdom and then there's also the more intuitive warm practices where the brahma viharas are central to that and they are more melting embracing and melting it down it's more like a heart practice intuitive and in the theravada it would be more mahamogalana the other chief disciple and there's also arahant bikunis the arahant bikuni famous for wisdom was kema and f- famous for you know the more intuitive approach was upalavana so the buddha has always two main chief disciples one is more the cool approach and the other one the warmer approach and they work both together and you know every one of us we have to know you know what our character disposition is more cool or more warm or maybe you know quite balanced we find out and there might also be different phases in our life and practice where different things are in the foreground and uh, you know to speak just a little bit about the four prama viharas and how meta fits in you know there there are those four images of mothers for example you know meta would be the mother you know who is like at the uh, at the i don't know how that it's called where the baby is sleeping you know and just looking on the baby or the holding the baby in her arms and just the heart opens up like naturally you know there's just so much love and the only thing she wants is to be that for that baby to be happy so there are sense of protection and then karuna or compassion is turning that openness towards the suffering of others for example you know the baby might have an illness and the mother sitting at the bed and trying what she can do to make the baby comfortable and if she could take on the suffering she would so that kind of compassion wishing the baby to be to be without suffering and then the third one mutita is opening the heart to the flourishing in the world or the flourishing of others for example you know the child 
winning a prize in school or at sports and so on, and the mother being really kind of, you know, proud in a in a heartful way of her child, and really feeling so happy for the success of that being. And then equipoise or upeka, opening to the heights and to the depths of life and being able you know, to, to stay open to it, to be there. You know, maybe later on when the child is a bit older and then, you know, doesn't want to listen anymore and the mother understanding, you know, the child has to make its own experiences only from its own experiences can it truly learn and that's often more compared with the love of a grandmother who has seen you know everything under the sun already and she knows I'm just gonna be here you know and and the child will come back to me when it's ready so these different kinds of love and the, and the root of all of them is metta which is that sense of wanting to protect, wanting to, you know, make sure that that being has what it needs to be happy. And that also includes ourselves. And, you know, and, and the longer we are on the path, the more we understand that happiness isn't the result of turning away and wishing things to be different, but happiness is the result of really opening to the present moment experience and learning from it. Seeing more and more the causes and conditions and the connections, how things arise and cease, seeing the conditionality and seeing also the path in that whole process we are playing, you know, through attachment. And through seeing that really clearly, the process of transformation has its own intelligence. And if our motivation is really clear and strong, then all kinds of uh, things are coming and helping us. You know, a book falls from a bookshelf, somebody calls us, we find a piece of paper with some information on it. The most unusual things can happen to guide us, you know, if we have a real clear and strong motivation. And if we really know where we want to go with this and why we, why we are doing it. And then and once we have experience consciously for ourselves the difference between the contracted grasping mind which wants something and the open-minded ease letting go dawns on us like you know dropping a hot coal so seeing you know seeing through the conditioned nature of the mind is really what we are after, if we are after anything. To see the connections of the conditioning process and see that in a bigger and bigger context and then there's more and more willingness to stay open with the process because we understand it's not me 
it's not me i'm not it's not me doing something wrong or doing something right it's just like a whole network of conditioning which needs to be understood and how could we ever understand it if we're not paying attention to it and being really there and the meta is you know that kind of quality which can help us to be there for us and for others but first we have to be there for ourselves because if we can't be there for ourselves we can't be there for others that just doesn't work so so meta is certainly you know not like a sugar coating on top of a scrambled mind that would be a waste of time you know but metta is a result of going through the fire of experiencing one's own mind fully and not shrinking away you know and then somehow it just becomes something very different so i think that's uh, what i wanted to share today Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.